0: Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 12th. Certainly hope that you and yours are doing well and staying healthy. This week, we continue with our little mini-series on growth or discipleship, feeding, being fed. We've we've called it a bunch of different things like that. And then now, this week, we turn our attention to service. The Son of Man, Jesus himself said the Son of Man did not come that he would be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So there have been a couple times in my life when I've been just absolutely, utterly amazed. Here's here's one of them. I was on Young Life staff. I was doing a program assignment at Windy Gap, and we have this, this old tradition of a volleyball tournament, and, and it's just chaos. There's all these volleyball go- games going on, and then there's all these other ways for your team or your cabin to earn points while you're not playing volleyball. All kinds of chants and cheers and, and tumbling runs and you name it. All kinds of ways to get the attention of us, the program team, to, to earn points um, for your team. Uh, in this volleyball tournament well we decided that a fun way to add a little excitement to it was to do a limbo stick for the kids that weren't playing and now we chose this game on purpose because generally speaking stereotypically speaking the smallest and some of the youngest girls would win we had several several younger freshman girls so we thought it, it might even be a morale booster for them to win the tournament by winning this 1 million points of limbo. As the game progressed, all the guys got out, except one senior, and we'll call him Ricky. It was just he and down to five girls. And when we finally got to the lowest point, only Ricky made it. And the crazy thing was, he could have gone lower. We'll come back to that story in a bit. But over these last two weeks, we've been studying the church. We've looked at discipleship. And, and last week, we rolled out several small groups that are meeting throughout the week, throughout the high country, that would love to have you come and join them. There are lots of misconceptions concerning discipleship and then serving. And I can't think of a subject with more misconceptions today than, than the church so some common misconceptions of the church. We think of church as a building and not firstly as a body of people. We think of church as an event that happens once a week and maybe on Wednesday nights or at some other time. We tend to think of church as a TED talk to better our lives. We think, think of church as optional we think of church as a networking tool, a place to further our interests. We think of church as entertainment, meant to please our senses. Well, this morning we're going to jump into a passage that we are probably familiar with, but it has huge implications on understanding what church is. So if we look at Matthew 20. Verses 20 through 28, Jesus and his disciples have traveled to Judea, just outside of Jerusalem, where Jesus is teaching larger and larger crowds of people. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. So let's give you a little bit of background, some context here. So the apostles, James and John, were the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee was a wealthy fisherman who came from a pretty well-connected family and was married to Salome. And Salome shows up several times in the Gospels. She was the sister of Jesus' mother, Mary, which means she was Jesus' aunt, John 19.25. She was one of the women who watched the crucifixion with Mary. That's Mark 15.40. She was also one of the three women who found Jesus' tomb empty on resurrection morning, Matthew 27, 56. She was very close to Jesus. James and John, Salome and Zebedee's sons were along with Peter, the disciples closest to Jesus. They followed him faithfully and were two of the very first men called to be disciples. And being sons of Salome, they were Jesus' first cousins, and they would have known Jesus from the time they were small children. As we read this, we're seeing, we're, what we are seeing is Jesus' aunt and his two closest disciples, all very intimate relatives, coming to Jesus with a request. Picking back up at verse 21. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in, the, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. Cup was a common Old Testament metaphor for suffering, especially suffering caused by God's wrath. Psalm 75, 8, Isaiah fifty-one seventeen, 17 referred to this. And Jesus is asking if John and James are prepared to experience rejection and persecution for their faith. In essence, he's asking, hey, are you willing to die for me? And without hesitation, they say, yes. To their credit, there is no lack of faith here. They are willing to follow Jesus to the end, and they will. James will be the very first disciple killed for following Jesus by Herod Agrippa. That's recorded in Acts 12 too. And John lives a long life but spends several years exiled to the island of Patmos, Revelation 1.9. These men have a strong faith, but it is faith mixed with a little bit of self-promotion. He said to them, picking up verse 23, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they, they were indignant at the two brothers. The Greek word was tra- translated as, as indignant, is a yakative, which means to be angry, resentful, annoyed, offended, or f- regarding unfair treatment. And, and, and I'd be willing to bet that every one of the 10 disciples thought to themselves, John and James are using their family connections here to try to get ahead. And what Jesus does in verse 25 is beautiful because relationally, things have broken down among the 12 disciples. But Jesus called them to him. Jesus calls his disciples close and he tells them a little something about being his disciple in verse 25 but Jesus called them to him and said you know that the rulers of the gentiles lorded over them and their their great ones exercise authority over them it shall not be among, so among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must must Be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, do we want to be first? Well, we must be last. Do we want to be the leader? Well, then that means we have to serve others. Do we want to be great? Be a servant. Do we want to become number one? Become a slave. If we have been in the church for any time at all, we have probably heard these verses. But have we ever considered how truly radical Jesus's words are? You see, Jesus's interaction here radically reassigned for his disciples what was important and what wasn't. He he revealed that what his church would value would be very, very different from what the world values. Think of how this passage contradicts our American culture of self. Oh, we love our rights. We love options from which to choose. We hate to wait in lines, to be stuck in traffic. We hate being told what to do. We resent people who have what we don't. This passage, on the other hand, gives us three key truths about ourselves and the church that, friends, we cannot miss. First of all, Personal privilege, status, and power are antithetical to Christ's church. The Roman world of Jesus' time was very binary, much more so than our world today. Then you were simply either a slave or a free person. You were either a ruler or you were being ruled. It was a very top-down society. Kingdoms like Roman Greece ruled people through power and dominance to lord it over as Jesus says, is a strong term that means to rule down on someone. Since the world functioned this way, James and John thought that this was an appropriate way for the church to operate. And Jesus is very clear that power and dominance will not be the leadership model of the church. I don't know how we have missed this up and think that it is. But friends, if we are reading the word of God, I do not know how we get to this point. Peter picked up on this in this section of his book where he's speaking to pastors and to church leaders. Peter tells them to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That's 1 Peter 5, 2 through 3. Domination has no place in the church. Instead, leaders lead through serving, through helping, through giving and being examples. And James picked up on this when he talked about quarrels within the church. In James chapter four, verses one through two, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. When we are in a fight or a quarrel with someone within the church, that should be a warning sign that we may be overlooking a key aspect of being the church. Secondly, greatness in the church is derived from service. If we look at verse 26, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. The word servant here is the Greek word from which we get our word deacon. The word represents humble task done quietly and faithfully. For, for example, a waitress carefully and quietly serving tables it is the opposite of flashy. Hey, look what I can do kind of service. There is a strong me-second mindset that Jesus is teaching here. So men, as husbands, as fathers, employees, employers, as single men, we must remember that our greatness must not be derived from our maleness, strength, skills, organizational abilities, or position. Our greatness is derived from how we serve our family, our church, and our community. Ladies, as singles, as wives, as mothers, as community leaders or employees, employers, greatness should not be derived from physical beauty, managerial skills, physical strength, intelligence, or social status. Being active, engaged, and willing servants is how we build Jesus's church and attain greatness. Jesus turns our sense of importance On its head, and says that greatness in the church flows from sacrificing, first and most. Greatness means serving longer than those around us, working harder than expected. Jesus used examples like going the extra mile and turning the other cheek. For us to see that the church is an inverted pyramid instead of us all trying to fight to get to the top, it is a race to the bottom. The third point. Is particularly important and particularly convicting. The very greatest in the church will be slaves. Look at verse 27. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word slave here is very different than the word servant that we were just talking about. While a servant is someone who does humbly, humble tasks quietly and faithfully, they are still their own person. They can go and do what they want. A slave's life is not their own. They are the personal property. They are the personal property of their master. A slave's life is their master's. Jesus uses himself as the example of perfect slavery although the disciples would not have picked up on it at the time. Jesus could have come to earth and accumulated power to himself, but instead he gave his life. And with this sentence in verse 27, Jesus single-handedly changed the way the world viewed slavery. Up until that point in history, the humility of slavery was viewed as bad, even sinful, If someone was a slave, well, then clearly they deserved it. That's the thought. We've heard the words of this verse far too many times for them to stun us like they would have the disciples. Slaves were property to be beaten, to be used and discarded. Their food was the trash that fell under their master's tables. Their foreheads, their foreheads would have been branded with the marks of their owners. Their backs were filled with scars from beatings and whippings. And some Roman slave owners' wives would have had their male slaves beaten daily just so that they would fear them. And when Jesus says he wants his church to be salt and light to the community, this is what he means. The church at its very greatest seeks... The lowest of the low. The goal of that limbo game that Ricky won is the same goal our church is to have every time we gather. We are to constantly seek to find out how low (laughs) we can go. So here then are some ways that we as a church can get low. I'm going to, 11 practical ways to get low and to start serving today. In no certain order. Here we go. Well, we could volunteer to rock babies in the nursery. They're the perfect group to serve. They're helpless. They never say thank you. It takes pure servant heartedness. We could pick a missionary or mission organization, either foreign or domestic. We could pray for them. We can write them. We can encourage them. And if we can, we could send them a check to support them. If you're a younger person in the church, we could adopt a grandma or grandpa. We could adopt a grandma or grandpa here at our church or at Life Care Center right up the road. We could love on those people regularly. And hey, if you're a grandma or a grandparent, you could adopt a grandkid. We could teach a children's Sunday school class and give everything we have at it throw ourselves into it we could arrive early to church there is so much to do every single sunday we could offer just to help we could sit close to the front this creates such a greater sense of community and 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 ministers to those who might come in late we could be an unofficial greeter we have official greeters who who quote-unquote half greet, but we could be an unofficial one, meaning we could look around, we could meet and encourage people we do not know instead of wondering who all these new people are and wondering if they'll come to us. We could send a care package to a college student. We have folks all over the place. We could come to a prayer meeting at 6 30 on Wednesdays and pray for people. It sounds simple, but if we do it seriously, it's powerful. We could take pictures at church events and post them on our social media pages. Ricky won the limbo that night because he got lower than anyone else could. And as we seek to serve our Lord Jesus, we all win the lower we go. In closing, I want to read from 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him, Be glory both now and forever. Amen. And God bless.